with the congregation, please rise as you are able. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise, and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar. Let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together, as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We pray together. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, Forgive us our sins and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. 
Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you have promised. Make us love what you have commanded. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the 13th Sunday after Trinity is from 2 Chronicles chapter 28. The men of Israel took captive 200,000 of their relatives, women, sons, and daughters. They also took much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded. And he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand. But you have killed them in a rage that has reached up to heaven. And now you intend to subjugate the people of Judah and Jerusalem, male and female, as your slaves. Have you not sins of your own against the Lord your God? Now hear me, and send back the captives from your relatives whom you have taken, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Certain chiefs also of the men of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Johanan, Berechiah the son of Meshillamoth, Jezekiah the son of Shalom, and Amasa the son of Hadlai, stood up against those who were coming from the war and said to them, You shall not bring the captives in here, for you propose to bring upon us guilt against the Lord in addition to our present sins and guilt. For our guilt is already great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the princes and all the assembly. And the men who have been mentioned by name rose and took the captives. And with the spoil, they clothed all who were naked among them. They clothed them, gave them sandals, provided them with food and drink, and anointed them. And carrying all the feeble among them on donkeys, they brought them to their kinsfolk at Jericho, the city of palm trees. Then they returned to Samaria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Galatians chapter 3. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. 
Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Turning to the disciples, Jesus said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and giving them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will pay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think provided to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. The Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven 
and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, that he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You go, do this, do likewise. The story of the Good Samaritan, it, it's followed by a few lines before that. Jesus says, that, then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The Good Samaritan, we find after the lawyer who comes before Jesus and asks him what he must do to inherit eternal life. It's a good question if you're living according to the law. What do I have to do to be saved? Live, love, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. It's a big calling. So, he digs deeper. Who's my neighbor then? Certainly it can't be everybody. Who's my neighbor, Jesus? I need to know so I can justify myself. Then Jesus speaks the parable of the Good Samaritan. Likely there's a Jew walking between Jerusalem and Jericho, and he's taken upon by robbers. It's kind of a torturous road, I've heard. There's plenty of places to hide, and it wasn't an infrequent thing to happen. He's robbed, beaten, left for dead. Then the priest comes by, the pastor. <laughs> it's uncomfortable to think about that. And he walks by and on the other side of the road. You go, well, you know, maybe the guy was unclean. You know, we don't want to get into the blood. We don't want to get into whatever. Um, but the Levite does the same thing. And Levites were the temple workers. They should know how to show mercy he walks by. Then the Samaritan. Samaritans were enemies of the Jews. They did not get along. They didn't want to be near each other. And he saw him, and he had compassion. He became the first responder, if you will. He, he uh, stabilized him. He medicated his wounds with oil and wine, put him on his donkey, his ambulance, you might say, took him to an inn, cared for him overnight. You've ever done that for your own children or somebody? It's exhausting work. The next day, he gives two days' wages to the innkeeper. He says, take care of him. You be the nurse now. You take care of him. And I promise to pay you whatever more is needed when I return. No limit. Jesus says, Mr. Lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Lawyer says, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus, you go and you do likewise. Luther makes the point that our neighbor, as we speak of or we hear of so frequently in our small catechism, is not... Uh, merely the folks who live on either side of us or across the street. Our neighbor is all that God has created, everyone who God has created. We're supposed to take care of them. 
So, you get the picture. In the sight of God, your neighbor and my neighbor is everyone. Complete strangers with nothing to offer. It's risky business. As Christians, we try. Our churches donate food and clothing and school supplies and personal items to shelters, places like Lutheran and Child Family Services. We pay taxes. Taxes. Pay them so that welfare programs can be done. Take care of those in need. Take care of our neighbor. We We donate dollars to missionaries so they can go and preach the good news of the gospel. You yourself, you might go on a mercy mission or vacation. Let's be honest, it's not all work. You and I have probably helped save someone or come to the aid of someone in other situations. Maybe it was just a a flat tire along the road, or you made a phone call at least just to report that, hey, these people here, they might be having a problem. Do we do it perfectly every time when we see someone in need? No. We often pass by on the other side of the road. We avert our eyes. We don't look. And we avert our wallets. Still in there, right? Yeah. Two days wages and whatever else. But what about Jesus' words? You're right. You go and do likewise. It's all law given to the one who seeks to justify himself. He asked for the law. He got the law. But Jesus told his disciples, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Luke 10. What would Jesus do? They've seen it. They've seen his mercy and compassion. He would bind the wounds of the man. He would put him on his donkey, keep him in an inn. He would pay two days wages and whatever else. That's what Jesus would do. Jesus is the good Samaritan, not you and I, so don't get confused. Why? Because we are lousy at it. We are greedy, we are weak, we're sinful, don't want the trouble, don't want to fall into the robber's hands ourselves. How many times do we just not want what we give to be misused so we don't give it? What would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Jesus died on a cross for sinners, all who God created. The lawyer wanted the law, and he got it. You do likewise, perfectly, without error, ever. Go earn eternal life on your own. At least try and realize you can't. The Bible tells us we are all born sinful. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all fail at justifying ourselves through good works, no matter how many. Try and keep count. Why? They are all tainted with sin, with pride. Here I do the Feeney. I did that. Did you see that? Pastor Feeney always did that in the sermon. I don't know. Give yourself the pat on the back for all the good works you have done. We all do it. Possibly 
You tell your friends, your neighbors of what you've done, they'll be impressed or they'll really sit there and go, man, why is he telling me this? This is really kind of embarrassing, you know, that he's making good of what he's done. But it will not justify us. It will not erase your sins. It will not cleanse you, no matter how much good work you do. What does that? Faith in Christ Jesus, period. That's what cleanses us from all of our sin. The good Samaritan that suffered, died on a cross, was resurrected to take your broken body full of sin and cleanse it. In baptism, your sin was washed away was cleansed. You were joined with Christ and all your sins forgiven. Do we still sin? (laughs) You betcha. We are stuck with this body, this body that will die. We all know it. One day it's going to go away. It has to, so it could be resurrected, imperishable, and perfect. God loves our bodies. God loves our sinful bodies doesn't like what they do, doesn't like what we do in them, but through Christ, he forgives us, and he preserves our body in the ground, in the grave for the day of the resurrection. Jesus binds our wounds, cares for us in what you can call a spiritual hospital. You're sitting in it. We are here. We're sick. We're terminally sick with sin, and we come here. And we confess our sins like we did at the beginning of this service. And your sins and mine were forgiven in the stead and by the command of Christ. Not because I say so, because Christ says so. Christ comes with the medicine of immortality. His body and blood for strengthening us in our journey, forgiving our sins, and strengthening our faith. Just like that good Samaritan, his wealth, his compassion, his mercy is limitless. Don't sit at home and think, gee whiz, Jesus can't take care of this. No, he already has. All sin, all people, forgiven. We sin, you and I, we repent, he forgives. It's boundless, love that we can scarcely imagine. But he has given us faith to believe and trust in him and not our works. Yet we do good, God-pleasing works every day. We do them out of love for Christ that is in us. Oh, it's mundane to the world. We go to work. We feed our families. We go to church. We teach our children. We change diapers. We take care of parents. And it is all God-pleasing because it's done with faith in Christ. Faith that he has given us. Then Christ works through those he has saved through us to do good and perfect. His good and perfect will. And that will is to call all to him. They would see what you do and see it pleases Christ. So you go... And you do likewise, not to save yourself, but because Jesus already, the real good Samaritan, has done it for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Please stand as you're able and let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For the church throughout the world, and especially for this congregation, that we would not bypass those in need, but rather be filled with God's grace and love to care for all of our neighbors, let us pray to the Lord. For the Lord of the harvest who send forth workers into his vineyard, that through their service the world would know the compassion and care of Jesus Christ, the good Samaritan, let us pray to the Lord. For all pastors, for our synod president, our district president, our circuit visitor, and our pastors, that they would be faithful in their preaching of the gospel and in their administration of the oil and wine of the sacraments, let us pray to the Lord. For those who are enemies of God and his people, that by the working of the word and spirit their hearts would be softened and they would be given the gifts of repentance and faith, let us pray to the Lord. For a good harvest, protection from drought and famine, deliverance from illness and fear, and abundant provisions for all, let us pray to the Lord. For all governments and those in authority over us, that they would justly and wisely use their position and power to promote the general welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick, the suffering, for those who we name before you, O Lord, this day, for the contributions and achievements of American workers, that you, O Lord, would continue to bless our nation with the vocations needed to serve our neighbor, and that all would safely enjoy the rest from their labors this weekend. In thanksgiving for the birth of Olivia Ruth Moore, for the family of Pat Solt, for the family of Ruth Moots, for Carol, Larry, Diane, and Denise, for Bob, Rhonda, Laura, and David, for Chris, Shirley, Patricia, and Nico, for Larry, David, Elaine, and Reverend Gary Dwork, for Paul, Dick, Teresa, and Paul, for William, Kurt, Bill, Joni, and Bob, and for our shut-ins and all who must endure isolation at this time, Olga, Lorraine, Anne, and Doris, for the continued Good Samaritan work of Lutheran Child and Family Services, and for all expectant mothers, that God would watch over and protect them and their unborn children, especially for Heidi, Alyssa, and Maria. That God would provide care and rest for all, and according to his will, a restoration to earthly health, let us pray to the Lord. For those who receive the Lord's Supper this day, that by faith they would receive the eternal benefits of Christ's true body and blood, let us pray to the Lord. For the church triumphant and the church militant, that all who have received the inheritance of eternal life in Christ would be united forever in a holy communion and dwell in the promised land of the new heavens and new earth to come on the last day, let us pray to the Lord. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us and all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him into death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, The Holy, Holy Lord, God of Sabaoth adored, heaven and earth with full acclaim, Shout the glory of your name. Sing Hosanna in the highest. Sing Hosanna to the Lord. Truly blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of all creation. For you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In your righteous judgment, you condemned the sin of Adam and Eve who ate the forbidden fruit, and you justly barred them and all their children from the tree of life. Yet, in your great mercy, you promised salvation by a second Adam, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and made his cross a life-giving tree for all who trust in him. We give you thanks for the redemption you have prepared for us through Jesus Christ. Grant us your Holy Spirit that we may faithfully eat and drink of the fruits of his cross and receive the blessings of forgiveness, life, and salvation that come to us in his body and blood. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.
Please rise. Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you, both body and soul, into life everlasting. Depart in peace and with great joy, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.